0: What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and super stoked to have Nick Leeson from Lift Foils on the show today. Um, I didn't know what to expect going into interviewing Nick. I know that Lift has been a leader in foil design now for as long as there's been foils. And with the e-foil, I didn't know how much attention lyft was spending on the surf game and we we talk about efoils a lot and actually there's some exciting things coming in the efoil world but nick is a mad scientist um knows as much or more than anybody that i have had on the podcast thus far about all things foil um studied um aerodynamics uh engineering in college, and then has applied that to his journey through foiling. He's also he lives on in Puerto Rico, and he's in the water every day. His dad's in the water every day, uh, and they have their gear just absolutely dialed. And it was a joy to get to learn from Nick. Now, I can't say that I did this. I think I did it justice, but. I wish that my technical understanding was a little deeper for this show because I know that Nick has another level that I wasn't able to get to. But I did my best, guys, so I hope you enjoy it. And I appreciate everyone writing in questions. I think we had like 40 or 50 folks write in questions for this one. They kept coming well after the show. So if you send me a question uh, after about 10 a.m., the morning that I posted uh, asking for questions for Nick's, your, your question did not get read on the show because the show happened um, right there at 10 o'clock. So I apologize for that. Next time, I will try to post a day earlier so that all the questions are, are entertained. Some of them uh, I lumped together, so I didn't read every single question, but I tried to get the majority of the themes. And even the question about aliens, I got that one in there. I thought was fun because I'm a secret alien nerd. Um, anyways, so um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. It's an exciting podcast, too, because Nick gives a little reveal of the wings, the new foils that are coming out uh, for their next product release, which I think we start to see December, January, and we should be able to buy February, March, and it is in line with what i wrote for foiling magazine uh, if you guys do not subscribe to foiling magazine go do it right away support those guys because it is cool for our sport to have a magazine and i know that is not an easy business so um you know order the print edition and then you guys can have them um as the sport matures and you'll be able to look back just like the old surfer magazines and the old surfers journals I just love it when you go somewhere and they've got all those old mags and and foiling will be the same way and foiling mag. We're lucky enough to have a mag for the sport, so support them and you'll look back. And and Also, if you could buy the whole catalog, I don't know if they're doing that, but that would be really cool to go and be able to have all the issues on your coffee table. So, What I said, though, in the article that I wrote for Foiling Magazine, which was on the future of foiling, is that I think that the future is going to be mid-length and the goal is going to be surf and pump and... Lift's new um, series of foils coming out is a mid aspect surf range of foils from 100 to 250. He dives in really deep on the show about what those are, so I think you guys are going to really um, dig that and get excited. And if you want to, if you want to order a lift foil, you can do it at Big Wins. Uh Big Wins has been supporting the show. They're letting me test all sorts of stuff. And so I really appreciate that. It makes the show better. And if you guys would be so kind as to order your gear, you'll pay the same or less on the Takumi. You can get a 10% discount right now. Um, maybe we can get that to expand at some point, but um still support them and service is crazy good. Um, TJ's on it over there, so shoot an email to TJ. Tell them what you want. All right, let's uh, let's just dive in because this is a long one. It's about an hour and a half, and it is chock full of just technical bliss for us foilers. You guys should dig it. And as always, thank you for listening and supporting the show, and you know the collective, all of us helping to try to um, share the the knowledge and. Um, I love the fact that everyone's participating and and helping the show get better because I only have my understanding. It really helps to be able to bring in um, questions, themes that are relevant and important to you guys or where I have blind spots. You know, you guys are helping me see some things that I don't talk about and and all this. I've got a whole bunch of other stuff that I'll get into on other shows. I've, I've just been testing a ton of boards. I just shaped a bunch of boards and been testing a bunch of wings. But um, let's just dive into the show now so that you can have the full hour and a half with Nick from Lift Foils. Thanks again for coming on, Nick. And all right, be well, guys. Nick, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, this is very cool. Um, surf is pumping in Puerto Rico right now. How was your session? Just got in.
1: Yeah, it was really good. It's been um, kind of a special week. You know, it's been down all summer. We've just been waiting for surf and there's uh, a lot of hurricane activity out in the Atlantic. And um, so we've had some some pretty good waves out in front. What do you ride now when it's pumping? I was actually just out on a short board, a little Tomo five, five. Um, that's been pretty fun for me. I mean, it's been, it's been foiling all summer. Yeah. It's kind of nice to switch it up a little bit and remember how to do a little bit more traditional surfing.
0: Yeah. I blew a session yesterday cause I was just finished shaping a new foil board and it was surf was pumping and all I wanted to do was ride my new board and then I'm out there foiling <laughs> and I'm just watching guys get barreled and I'm like, I'm, this is stupid. Um, cause I could have been getting barreled. anyways. Um, I know the feeling <laughs> just get so locked into what you want to do. Um, so I don't know much about your, your journey into foiling. I know that you started in, in kiting, but why don't you give a little bit of background so we have a foundation to, uh, to start
1: talking. Yeah. So I, uh, I, t- grew up in puerto rico we grew up uh, surfing kiting windsurfing kind of doing all the all the different water sports and um <clears throat> went to school out in utah to study mechanical engineering um and i came back came back to puerto rico and you know no place like home and looking to find some work here and, and pretty early on outside of school i uh, started a little surf factory with uh with my dad he'd always been interested in And putting together like a shaping machine and and stuff like that. so we kind of, we made a barn out back on his property and we got, um, we got a really cool CNC machine for, for cutting boards. And I got a CNC machine for just like a three axis router for, for cutting foils. I, I discovered foiling pretty you know, I don't know, what was that? 11 years ago when it was just kind of kicking off into the world of kiting So, you know, you had, you had the all-stars out in Hawaii that were riding these big waves on a, on essentially a sky ski, you know, a solid billet, aluminum, uh, hydrofoil. And then there was a, there was a guy who tried to make them out of composite and, uh, start a market in, um, in the world of kiting. It was a Carafino was the first brand. And that was the first foil that I saw kind of for, for kiting. Um, and it was, you know, it was a real kind of a clunker, but it was a, it was a start, you know, people were getting up there moving. Um, that's the foil that I learned on and, and I just, you know, totally got hooked, uh, from the start. And, you know, so we were, we were tinkering around with the idea of starting a little board factory and I was like, man, I want to build hydrofoils. This thing's awesome. You know, it, yeah, i studied aerodynamics and it was everything that I, you know, the foiling was everything that, um, that interested me with, with composites and wing design and surfing. And, um, so for me you know, we were starting the surf factory and, and I wanted to build some, some foil. So we got like a three axis router as well to, um, to build some molds and just got into CAD designing. And it was really kind of down the rabbit hole for a good solid, uh, you know, five, six years of just in the shop every day. Um, you know, weekends, nights building something new or trying something new. You know from from not knowing anything at all about anything and really not having much of a reference that the only real reference was the sky ski, you know, and that was just a totally different kind of foil. it wasn't composite, it wasn't carbon fiber, and so we we kind of had to start from scratch and it was um you know, try this, try that, try this, try that, but we learned a lot through through kiting and I got into the racing a lot, and you know that kind of pushed me to to see if I couldn't improve my my gear you know, try to go out and cheat in a race, you know, (laughs) by having like an upper hand with the, with the equipment. Um, yeah, we did that. And we were building at the same time we were building, uh, we got into the up paddle boarding, but we were building just race boards, 14 footers, 12 footers, you know, 18 footers and all carbon fiber, all beautiful boards, um, you know, works of art custom made for, for everybody. And so we, we kind of got, you know, we had, I had a good crew of really great craftsmen, We were building a really beautiful product. We were learning more about foiling and, and wings. Um, and that construction as well, we were building everything from scratch, our molds, our, our, our process for, for manufacturing it. Um, and it was just kind of one step at a time. And then we stepped into, you know, years later, we, we stepped into the e-foil project, which was, uh, you know, basically the concept was, Hey, can we, can we put a motor on this thing and, and turn it into, you know, our own personal watercraft and get away from, from the kite. And, and people weren't really surfing except for towing. They weren't really surfing on foils yet. Um, that was just coming up, but we were, you know, we were thinking about this, like, how can we just be totally free? And, and we really, I really dug into that project. Um, and things in the world of foiling just really started coming together. I mean, Kyle Lenny, um, you know, put foil surfing on the map and, and changed our world, you know, it changed. Um, and, and so that was kind of at the same time. Now we had, now we were doing foiling for kiting, but it was expanding now, like people are going out surfing and we've got this, you know, personal watercraft of sorts, um, in the works and it was, you know, off to the races, uh, with that, that was so, and here we are, here we are today you know, everything kind of coming full circle and, and finally really getting out there after over a decade of, uh, of work. Yeah. Um, do you remember your
0: first moment? I, I love first moments of, of what grabs somebody. What was your first moment on foil? That was, you know, the holy cow, this is, this is the future for you.
1: Well, I think the first session where I, where I got out and, and got it, you know, it got, got past the, you know, like the, the, the rodeo, going up and down and then finally kind of locked into attack with the, with the kite and you're flying over the water and you're like, wow, this, this is cool. You know? And from, from there on out, it was total, total, I think that's pretty common for, for everybody that's in foiling. Yeah. Um,
0: the speed for me when I realized that it was going to change East coast surfing, it was like, Holy cow. Like, now we live in a beautiful spot you know instead of groveling you've got speed on tap it was amazing i feel like also with what you've done with lift i feel like your foils were ahead of the market you know i first hopped on a lift foil a year and a half ago at the beginning of kind of my journey i wasn't good enough to appreciate what you had done with it and so i kind of wrote it off as you know i don't think this is a great foil now going back you're just you I think the foils that you guys were building were beyond what the beginner user could feel comfortable on and so I think that your market share or marketing or however it's you know there's going to be an influx a rush back into lift I think because the gear is so so dialed it's already so efficient you just have to be good enough to fly it
1: yeah maybe there's maybe there's something there and I mean really in 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 terms of surfing like our foils for surfing yeah um you know i've kind of come at it with my own approach and the truth is i haven't even really ridden many of the foils that are out there right um i've only ridden a couple um over the last couple of years but I, I think we we kind of came in from a world of of kiting you know where we were we were just thinner profiles faster wings which is not exactly the the right approach for surfing we know that the that the surf wings are are different. But you know we were we were at one extreme, right, where you have like these these thinner, faster profiles, and then let's say gofoil, which is really kicking off the the world of surfing. they were on the other extreme or these really thick you know thickness to cord ratio wings um, and they're so they're they're at the other end of the spectrum, and then all you know what you're seeing now is that we're kind of coming towards a middle ground um, where it's a blend between two. it's so it's that kind of iteration process, you know, where you're like one side to the other to the other until it kind of bounces out and you hit kind of that magic, that magic formula. Yeah. That's kind of the way that I, that I see it. But I still today, like, um, you know, some of my, my sales guys and my team, they're like, man, Nick, you got to build this thing. That's like super, you know, just slow and easy and like, and I'm like, God, do I, <laughs> <laughs> do I really have to build that? Um, um <laughs>
0: i actually i love the 170 so much and we're going to talk about that wing because i think it's um there's some magic in there and we'll get into that but but uh based on how much i like the 170 i just ordered the uh the 200 surf from uh big winds has been hooking me up let me test a bunch of gear and they've got the 200 surf coming out with a couple tails to try so i'm stoked to uh to feel that now from a new framework of skill set um you go back and you look at the old foil wizard videos from a year ago, and I mean, still holds up like as top level, you know. And that wing, how how long ago did you produce the two hundred serve?
1: Oh well, we've had that. I made mean, a couple iterations on it, but um, we've had mostly this year, yeah. You know, and, and a little bit of a uh, little bit of last year, yeah. Um, and it's been it's been good. It's been a good wing. I mean, a lot of people um, getting into the sport have have really enjoyed it um i've had some good rides we've 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 you know used it a lot on the efoils as well and um and yeah but now interestingly enough like you say i mean that 170 the high aspect um that we just put out recently has been what i've been riding exclusively this summer with small surf and it's kind of changed my perspective on on wing designs and i'm um, you know i'm looking back at all my surf wings going okay now i know it. i'm going to change you yes. know
0: so let's let's go into the 170 now it's a good segue. Um I got on it a few weeks ago and was just blown away by the efficiency and the speed. I thought it was going to be too small. I'm about 200 pounds. Um mm-hmm. and when I first looked at it I was kind of like, "Oh man, I should have gotten the 200." But you don't need the 200 because it's so efficient, you know, like it it it, it pumps probably it's more miles. Efficient. Yeah, miles an hour faster than any of the other wings that I've ridden and holds up in turning. You know, I'm still getting it dialed for turning. Um, but what what's the magic in the 170? What was the design process like for that?
1: Yeah, well, so I mean basically the 170 I built for myself. Um I always make I make wings for what I think is gonna the suit our our general audience. And and then I always make a couple designs that you know, I know that I'm going to really enjoy. And, um, so the, I think the 200, that, that surface area, I feel is like a really good all round surface area, um, which is 200 square inches is a plan form area. And so I always, you know, I like that continues to kind of be like a good middle ground, like, Hey, this, this wing will do it all. And so I really started, okay, I'm going to make the 200, um, high aspect, but I've already been, you know, I was even using our 200 surf um, to go out downwinding. And I, I really wanted something that was faster, um, out in the ocean and, but more efficient. And so I made the, I made the one seventy for myself as just a step down. Um, and really the idea was, okay, I want something where I can catch a, a chip shot off the beach and then work my way out into the ocean without, without being, you know, totally gassed. And, um, so I can get out there efficiently and then I can lock into the swells and, and have some speed that I can overtake the waves in front of me and not be limited to only the waves behind me. Um, and so that was, that was kind of the 170, and, and really on all of them, they're all, they're all the same wingspan. Cause I, I kind of just, I picked a number that I felt like, okay, what would be a comfortable that, you know, cause really if you get on the computer and you look at, and you look at lift to drag ratios, glide ratios, um, aspect ratios, you know, the, the wider that you go, it, you know, the more efficient you're getting in terms of a lift over drag ratio. That's like the most important parameter there. Um, but there's a limit too, right? You can only go so wide before it just starts taking taking control of your ride. It's just too much torque on the outside. Um, and so I, I kind of picked a certain wingspan there. Where I, this will give me plenty of efficiency, but still, I should still have enough control to make, you know, make the turns that I want to do. Cause I don't want to just go out there and and glide in a straight line. I want to, I want to carve some turns, you know, on the, on the swells. And so that's kind of how I pick a couple of parameters and then you, you dial in the rest, you know, um, and the sections, you know, the cross sections are very important. And those are, those are cross sections I've been dialing in over multiple iterations. So I've, I've done a lot of different testing on those and I've, I've just kind of come to some sections that I, that I appreciate that I like for, for certain reasons. And I plugged that in there and then I, and I kind of went as, as thin as I felt like I could go, um, without, you know, without sacrificing a, a stall angle and, um, and, you know, but not, and while so structural you don't want it to be bending and stuff. So you, you pick a certain thickness where you know that it's going to hold together and not be too, too floppy.
0: Yeah. The, the two things that strike me about the design, which seem different than anything else out there on the market is, and I believe I'm going to use the right term here, it seems to have a lot of um, camber on the bottom of the wing near the tail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also really thins out from a template standpoint, near the wing tips. And I feel like that's giving you a little bit more, I'm sure it's more efficient, but it also seems to be a little bit easier in turning. Now I did ride it yesterday. It's like five, six feet at 16 seconds. And that was a little bit, it it felt like it was a little bit big for that wing. It was a little sketch in some moments for sure. But, um, you know, in, in the go-to for when I generally ride a high aspect wing, which would be, you know, like waist to chest high serve. Um it's it's really balanced. And you don't get that forward pitching moment that I do on some other high aspect wings, which seemed I didn't I didn't I thought I was expecting it, especially with that kind of reverse camber, but I didn't feel it. And I don't know if that has to do with, you know, how you've um done angle of attack of the tail or um I don't know, maybe you can talk to the idea but with those two uh design elements.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, um, camber for sure. I mean, that's part of the, that's part of the cross section, you know, your foil section that you, that you select, that's an important part. And, and camber, you know, for, I'd say it's easiest for the wind surfers to kind of understand, right. Or anybody that sails, cause it's kind of like the outhaul on your sail, you know, whereas if you, if you loosen the outhaul and you kind of bag out your sail, you're going to get more, more grit, more power right? But there's a, there's a limit there where it's just too, too bagged out that you're limiting your speed. And you can, you can, you know, tighten your outhaul and you can kind of flatten that sail, right? Flatten that wing. And you're, you're going to pick up more speed. You're going to, you're going to lose some power. You're going to lose some lift. Um, but you might maybe pick up more speed. And of course there's a limit there where if you, if you pull in too much outhaul, if you flatten that, that wing out, uh, you're going to choke out, you're going to, you're not going to get any like efficiency out of it, you know, no low end power. So that's kind of how, like, how you can look at camber. Um, and I've, I've kind of, I've kind of chosen a camera that I, that I like that suits, uh, a variety of different speeds, you know, like our, I feel like our wing has pretty good control and at the low end, you know, like even at lower speeds, you can, you're still got enough grip on the water enough, uh, enough lift out of it but I feel like it's not really sacrificing me too much at, uh, at higher speeds. I feel like it still wants to go. And, and also like the camber for me, like it kind of dictates that, like the, the grip to the water, you know, like how much, if it's over cambered, I feel like it's, it's really twitchy and kind of hard to control when you're going fast. Um, but if it's under cambered, like it's not, you don't have enough grip on the water. You don't feel like you're really connected. The right way. Um, so I've, I've just kind of played with, with certain cambers and sections over the last couple of years and, and kind of iterated down to something that I like. And I change them depending on the, on the wings and what their purpose are. Um, and then I think, you know, wingspan or kind of the taper and the wing, you know, that, that again has to kind of do with like the aspect ratio. I've, I've kind of, I found definitely that as you drag that out, um, there's a lot of interesting things happening off the wing tip where they're, they're getting like smoother, more, um, more effective. Um, but definitely something I, I, I appreciate like a wing tip that's kind of tapered in mm-hmm. and rounded off much like, much like, you know, mother nature. If you look at the fish and stuff out there, there are not many fish with blunt edges, right? Right. They kind of have a nice, nice curve out there. And I, I feel like that does a lot on just the release of the water. Um, and then of course you have your 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 tail wings there. I have a variety of of tail wings. I, I'd say we've we've got two sizes that are kind of like our, our our bread and butter there for most of our audience, and they're um, they're pretty fair amount of uh, surface area and angle. So like I feel like there's there's plenty of leverage there, the best stability. I typically use a, a smaller back wing, and it's got less angle on it, so less negative uh, angle. Yeah. I've been using 25 in my high aspects.
0: That's what I'm Um, on also.
1: Yeah. And so the 25, what I did there was I was like, okay, again, this is a, my glider wing. I want to be open ocean. I want to be fast. I want to be light. I don't want, I don't don't want any drag, you know, I want to be as efficient as possible. And so really the back wing, you know, the more drag that you put into it, the more stable you're going to be. But that's, that's the, that's trade off, right? Um, if you, you can reduce your drag, but you're going to reduce your stability. Um, but you're, you know, you can, you can overcome that with practice and, and just getting used to getting used to that wing. There's a, there's a, there's a balance there. Um, and with the, with that 25, I just went smaller. I went less angle. So it's actually creating like less negative lift. Um, but I extended the fuselage a bit too. so When you pick up some speed, it, it really locks in at a higher speed, lower speed. It's feeling a little twitchy. But as soon as you, you pick up the speed, you just kind of find that thing to sh- straighten up and lock in. So I've been having a lot of fun with that wing.
0: Yeah. Um the folks listening to this podcast are fairly technical, and a lot of us like to play with our gear. And one thing about Lyft right now is you haven't allowed custom tails, you know, because you guys build in the tail to the fuse, which I think from a design perspective, it's probably much more efficient. But, from a tweaking and and getting I kind of look at the front wing as your board and the back wing as your fins in a surf um framework, is there any plans to do a fuse with like a thirty millimeter um bolt set so that we can play with with the tail?
1: I haven't done that i mean that's that we we were doing that in two thousand fourteen <laughs> two thousand fifteen we yeah that's that was like old school where right. um I was building wings with shims, you know, and I'd I'd make these little G10 shims where I could like kind of shift the angle a couple degrees. Um, and, and yeah. And I mean, on our production stuff, I just kind of dial it in where, where I like it and you're, you're stuck with it, (laughs) (laughs) but I could probably do, I mean, there's, there's ways to do that. Yeah. Even like, um, a lot of people have been asking me for like some extension pieces and stuff like that. Um, so I've been building, a couple of those things into the lineup I could oh, probably killer. do for, yeah, for the people that are, that are wanting that there's a couple of ways to, um, to get around it. But I really like what I do like about our, our architecture now on the wings is that I love that clean connection, you know, between the fuselage and the wings where one flows into the other, uh, versus like older stuff where I had to like chop out a piece of the fuselage, you know, mm-hmm. to like then kind of nestle the wing in there. Yeah. Um, as soon as I moved over to the system now that we have now, I just, I recognize how much smoother it was. There's like a little, there's this degree of, you know, reduction in drag. It's kind of hard to go back. Yeah. You know, that,
0: that makes a lot of sense, but it would also be fun to, cause a lot of guys, me being one of them, it's fun to make your own tails, just try different feels. Um, it might be fun to be able to play with that on the lift setup. Probably just do a um a fuse with uh with you know thirty millimeter bolt set. Hey, yeah, you there?
1: I'm sorry, I think I lost you there.
0: Um no I was just saying it would be fun to be able to play with that. Uh if you if you ever have some bandwidth to produce tails that people could I mean it'd be really easy to just change out the the tail fuse. Seems like we're having some connection problems here. I was just saying it'd be fun to be able to play with that and probably pretty easy for you guys to put out something, you know, just an add on $200 piece so people could play with the tails and let everybody get so many different feels. Yeah, probably not as efficient or as good, but, um, there's something to be said for being able to make your own tail and, and see what, what changes, how it feels.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, um, I could definitely look into that. It's been, it's been design madness over here and, um, I got a lot of stuff. I just, I just designed like 10 new wings for, for next year. Can we talk about them? Sure.
0: Yeah. Sick. Um, what can, what can you share?
1: Well, we did. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always building new stuff. And, um, so I, and really what we do is we add into the lineup, right? I'm not, I'm not like eliminating, uh, one lineup to, or, or changing the architecture. Everything's interchangeable. Um, you know, everything has its its place. Um, so I, I just pretty much added, I'm adding more wings into the selection, some, some stuff for, for next year. And really kind of what I, what I did was I feel like, you know, I, I mostly revamped our, our surf lineup and, um, you know, our, our old, our original surf wings, I would call them more of a low aspect. And, um, and then, you know, we were building the high aspect wings. Uh, primarily at like the one seventy the two hundred this uh, that we release this summer. and um, and so that's the other end of the spectrum. and it, it's the first time really, because it the one seventy like like you say, it's been so fun for me as well. I've learned a lot and um and I haven't you know I kind of feel like I haven't been paying enough attention to uh, aspect ratio in the designs. and so I, I really came back and studied that, and I kind of revamped our our surf. Uh, Line up there for more of a mid aspect. And so, and I, and I built a a variety of sizes um, in kind of that mid aspect range. And then I also made a a couple of additions to tailwings too. So really, like you say, you know, we want to test different rides. I I have quite the variety of stabilizers um, that that people can swap in and out. So it should be pretty fun. Um, I I think it's a pretty complete lineup um, for moving in the next year.
0: Epic. When will we get to see and feel them?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. I would probably say, um, you know, molds, molds are fired off. I'll probably get some first, uh, first parts and stuff in December, but we really count on February, March having, um, having, you know, a bulk amount of gear, ready to rock and roll.
0: Epic. Can't wait to feel it. I think the mid aspect is the future. You know, if you look at, I think Gofoil stumbled on something with the 140, basically just chopping down their high aspect wing and then they hit that magic mark and then all of a sudden the surfing exploded from it, you know, it's a similar cord, um, just cut down and I've got some buddies right. that just rip on that wing and it still pumps good. You know, like once, once you get used to what you need to do to maintain the speed and efficiency. Um, there's something special there. And I think that everyone's looking for that balance between pumping and surf surf. feel. And right right now I always feel like I'm, yeah, actually I think Takuma did a pretty good job with the, with the, the 1300. Um, but I think that we've got a long way to go in that space to where, you know, five years from now, I hope it's not, it doesn't feel like a compromise in any way, or maybe next year. I don't know. I don't know how soon we are to that, but, um,
1: yeah. Oh, I, I got some epic. I think I got some epic wings coming for you. Get I mean, it. I really, I really dug in deep and I, I agree hundred percent. There's a trade off there between the, you know, kind of your carving surfing control Yep. and then the, the higher aspect ratios and glide, you know, the ability to pump. Everybody loves the ability to get back out and catch a second wave. Um, you know what I mean? To keep, keep traveling and keep gliding. Yeah, on their foil, but it comes at, it comes at a cost, right? Like if it, if it starts to get steeper or faster, you start to maybe like lose a little bit of control. Um, and so there, there's certainly a balance there, but I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I put together some designs. I'm pretty excited about. I think, I think people are going to be pretty stoked on them. I really went for efficiency, but, um, kind of dialed in the widths and the surface areas that you can, you can hold a lot of speed and, and really drive a turn. Um, and I did the same thing. I was taking my high aspect ratio wings and chopping them off and yeah. trying to get a feel for trying to get a feel for wingspans that I thought were ideal. Um, and so I've got a, man, I've got a big variety, not only that too, but you know, when those wings get more efficient, you know, you can ride a smaller wing, Yep. you can prone surf on a smaller wing. And man, when you get on a smaller wing, it's kind of hard to go back to the really big wing. Cause it's just, it's so fast and so smooth, you know? And, um,
0: that's the one thing about the 170 that blew me away is that because of the speed and I, and I've talked about it a little bit on the show, but I'll kind of reiterate to a, 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 to a, to a, to an extent here, um, because of the speed that it pumps at, it's not just that you can pump longer. It's that your closing distances are faster. So it brings in energy that's farther away within a, you know, pretty easy cardio range it's extended my foot time from like a comfortable two minutes to a comfortable three minutes and that's not an exaggeration like i'm breaking down videos and i'm like i'm on foil for an extra minute because of this wing and that's just Mm -hmm. amazing um if we can get there with surfing if you can go from right now surf wings you're probably comfortable you know a minute minute and a half if that goes from a minute and a half to to two and a half minutes that's special man
1: Oh yeah. We're, we're going to do that. No problem. I mean, I think, um, yeah. And I've been watching, I've been watching a lot of people just peers because it's really starting to take off over here too, just locally in Puerto Rico. And, um, and I've got like family involved and, you know, my neighbors. And so I'm watching them foil and and also kind of seeing where they're at and in in their progression and kind of building, I've got wings kind of built for them. And then I've got wings again, built for myself and, and for my peers that I know, I know what you're looking for. I'm, I'm looking for the same thing, you know? Uh, so I, yeah, I've got some, I got some fun stuff in, in the works here, which I think you're going to feel plenty of efficiency, you know, and with the ability to get back out and connect. And you're also just going to feel like you got a lot of speed and a lot of drive to just lay down a turn with your, you know, the rail of the board, almost touching the water, just come flying around. With no no loss and your you know no loss of pressure in that front foot, you know?
0: Yeah. So the whole laying your board over what you run into with the you know, wingspan is breaching. And it seems to me like the 170 handles ventilation much better mm-hmm. than some other wings. And I'm wondering if that has to do with the raked back tips. I mean, how how much do you study ventilation? I mean, that's something that the whole audience uh, wants to hear about like Can you, can you educate us on ventilation and, and why some wings are, are easier to ventilate and recover from and others just die right away. And, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Man, it's, I mean, technically it's a super tricky problem. Like even if you talk to like professors of, uh, fluid mechanics, you know, they're going to tell you that that, that boundary between air and water is, you know, like a very complex problem. Um, and you see it being a complex problem too, like on, on big sailing crafts on foils and, and, um, you know, hydrofoil boats, um, where, where you have like a surface piercing foiling, but we learned a lot in the kite racing world because when you're racing, you know, you're just healed over and totally loaded up overpowered and your wingtips are coming out of the water and you just don't want to lose control at all. Like you need it. You need that wingtip to just come out. And that you can come back in and just and maintain your your angle. You don't want to drop off at all. And so we, I played with that a lot on our struts and our wings, um, and and just learn the hard way um, how to kind of get something nice. And really, I would say a lot of what like that we're, what you're feeling in the 170 is the foil section, and it's its ability to because you know, you're, you're basically it, it's creating when you ventilate your, your, you know, the surface of the foil pierces through the water and the areas of low pressure on the, on the wing will suck that air down and kind of capture that air. And then therefore you lose lift, you lose control and, and everything can kind of go downhill from there. And so it's really that ability to like come out and then just release that air bubble, like just release it off the wing so that the flow like grips the wing again and, and maintains control. And I've just found I've found I've found certain um certain cambers, certain cross sections, um, certain thickness to cord ratios that I um that I feel do a lot better with ventilation than others.
0: One experience that I've had on the 170 that I have not had on any other wing is I was getting comfortable pumping at the high range of the mast and so some, some wings you can kind of pump higher than others and and they like there's that sweet spot a few inches under the water um surface which you, you gain a lot of efficiency and everything gets a lot easier and i've breached a few times when just feeling all of that out and it's the only wing it almost got me hurt a couple times because i would breach and then there's this okay you know it's going to breach and then the board just kind of stops and and dies off and kind of go over the front and it's a pretty safe fall a few times I would breach. And as the wing would enter the water, I'm kind of coming off the front of it. And now all of a sudden the wing within a foot of the, the the water surface would gain lift again and shoot back up at me. And it was really scary. So now I handle breaches differently on the 170 where I'll just stay over top of the board, wait for it. Generally, you'll still die out if it's a full wing breach, you know, when you're pumping, but I won't go over the front anymore on it because it catches that lift so so fast that that it's going to be in the air with you as you're going over the front. It's kind of sketchy, but um, that makes sense. You can that recover. It would be, maybe as I get better, I'll recover.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, the wings that that probably do the absolute best um, in recovery are the sky skis. You were seeing those things behind the boat. Yeah, um, those guys are doing like double backflips come crashing down in the water and they're recovered before the board ever like hits the water. It's pretty incredible. You know, so those guys, those guys figured it out uh, a long time ago. That's a very different wing than what we're surfing on, but it gives you uh, a pretty clear indication as to what, what works for that parameter for like when you're, when you're evaluating like cleaning up a a wing surface and like re reattaching a flow, you know, like shooting that air bubble off you look at their wings what they're riding because they're they're totally coming back down crashing into the water and and they're back foiling again yeah those but those wings are blades
0: yeah yeah um it was impressive first time i felt that a little scary but um have you had anyone be able able to pump and ollie out and keep on foil has that happened yet
1: I I haven't seen anybody here. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of living down in a, in a cave here I'm in my own <laughs> little, my own little world. So, um, uh, not too, too many foilers around here, but you know, every time I get on social media, I see some people doing some amazing stuff and not just, you know, not only on our foils on, on everybody's foils, they're just some incredible athletes that are taking control of the sport yeah. and doing some wild stuff. It's pretty fun to watch.
0: Yeah. It's been insane fueled by, instagram hysteria and feedback loops um let's talk efoils for a little bit i have had a number of friends start foiling on efoil and if that is someone's path to get into foiling um how would you kind of guide their learning curve i think it's a good way to get in i think it's a great way to learn to foil i've recommended it to a number of people um but uh but how do you see that
1: I, the efoil is awesome. Um, you know, obviously, it's got a price tag uh, compared to our, our surf foils, um, but it's it's the best way to learn how to hydrofoil because um, you know, and it, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we we're getting people that are not surfers at all, and we've got them up foiling around, flying around in in fifteen minutes. You know what I mean? And and they're getting they're getting the feeling of of that of flying and floating which can be a real shock, you know, like any, the first time you experience that, you're like, Whoa, what is going on here? Right. And so you have to like, kind of overcome that, that feeling that anxiety and just kind of relax and just kind of get into the flow and, you know, and, and dominate kind of like your, your pitch stability with coming up and bringing it down. And so the efoil allows you to do that and get a lot of time with the, with the board on your feet. You know, you can just, you can rack up the hours that way um and in addition to that I mean I love I use my efoil a lot for a utility we tow off of it we tow off of it all the time it's got enough power to to pull another another foiler behind you and so we can we can get out on small wings and um and get into the surf and and tow into some surf that we can't paddle into you know instead of launching a jet ski we just launch the we launch the efoil so it, there's 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 that and and everything in between i mean i've been teaching people that are not um surfers i've been getting them into foil surfing you know straight into it because one i teach them how to how to Mm efoil they get several hours um under their feet they got a feel for it and then uh, i will tow them on a surf foil board i you know floaty board big wing and i'm i'm pretty much sitting on the efoil and i'm I'm. controlling their power. And they're, you know, they're six feet away from me. So I'm just talking to them, telling them where to put their feet, you know, where to put their weight. Okay. Take a breath, relax. Um, and so I'm just kind of guiding them through the the experience and then I'll pull them right into a little wave and I'll put them right in the spot and I'll say, okay, just let go right now. And they just let go and hold the line. And next thing you know, they're cruising down the face of a wave. It's like just getting some of the, getting some flight time, you know, and to they get pretty good at it. So it's been it's been an incredible tool for teaching and and anybody that's running like any kind of foil school, I would say that is like the ultimate tool to get people out in the water and and even for yourself if you're an advanced foiler, well if you have one good tow partner and two batteries, you know, you are going to get a ton of waves <laughs> with the efoil. I mean, a ton long rides. so um, Pretty pretty fun. <laughs>
0: um my buddy who you know uh josh waitskin who sent me some questions which i'll ask later is a madman um he is one of the frothiest guys on the planet and i have watched him efoil with the folding prop into solid double overhead surf and he's he he might have logged more surf miles on the efoil than anyone on the planet um because of where he lives and his access to some outside reef breaks I mean he spent like a year just by himself self towing as a madman right. you know unreal um scares me you know it's heavy and he's in the pocket on these big waves but
1: Yeah it's pretty wild that's pretty wild
0: Yeah it's pretty for crazy sure. um I got a lot of fan questions about towing on the efoil and tips that you could give uh to get started if if folks want to tow on the efoil
1: Yeah for sure I mean it's it definitely takes practice. It's not something that you just get up and go. And it's not it's not a jet ski, right? So it doesn't have this unlimited amount of power. Um, you have to you have to use it properly. But I'd say to start out, it really is helpful if the efoil has a big wing on it and the surfboard has a big wing on it. And that way you're not like you know you're not dragging an anchor in the back there. So like whatever you can do to make the ride more efficient is a great way to start. And you can work your way down to those smaller wings, but it just takes more technique and really the trick is because you have a, lib- a limited amount of power the the driver has to push the nose down and be thrusting forward you know because any degrees of that nose being up you know you're you're basically you're splitting your thrust between like something that's moving forward and something that's pushing you up the pushing you up is not doing anything for the toe so like the driver has to be conscious to to push that nose down and build up speed And that's going to pull the, the passenger is going to pull them forward and you guys are going to build up that speed together. And once you start moving forward, you can't really let off. You want to, you want, you have to keep in mind that you have a glider in tow so you want to keep, you want to keep moving forward and building up some speed, um, that way. And and likewise, the passenger, you know, the, the, the person in the back has to be efficient and conscious of, of what the driver. So they need to be efficient with pushing their board forward and not like, you know, you can't pull on the driver really hard sideways, like you're water skiing or something or wakeboarding. You have to, you have to just kind of be as efficient as possible. Try to try to create the least amount of drag. And then even when you get up and you're foiling, you want to just kind of stay relatively behind the driver. You don't want to be pulling way off on the side because you're, you're just, you know, flipping the guy over. And so it definitely takes some teamwork and a little bit of practice, but again, it's, it's not, um, it works great. It's, it's really efficient. Um, the other thing I would say too, pretty important is what you use for a tow rope. So like if you actually just use a rope or something that doesn't have any stretch in it, it's too much, um, it's too, too large of forces on the driver. It's just getting thrown around. Um, what I use is I use like a, a surf leash with, a, a specifically I use a five inch thickness, uh, surf leash. And I love the stay covered cause it doesn't break on me. And I, so we wrap the cuff. Of the surf leash to the top of the mast and you can you can either hold on to the end of the surf leash or what i do is i add um an, an uphole uphaul uh rope line from a windsurfer it's kind of like a knotted rope mm-hmm. and i and it's got a little bit of stretch into it as well so i tie that to the end of the the surf line and then the 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 guy in tow has something good to hold on to and we have a little bit of stretch so what i can do you know if i'm the driver i can when we're gonna kick off, I like, go already, and we, I kind of gun it, and you get a stretch in the leash, and the uh, the guy behind you comes slingshotting out of there, you know, and poof, we're up, we're up flying right off the bat. So it's just a one one shot. We're up flying, and then once you're on foil, uh, you're you're really efficient, especially if you're riding the high aspect wings. Then you're like crazy efficient.
0: Are, are you putting those on the efoil?
1: I do. I ride them on the efoil as well. And, um, I mean, my battery life is through the roof (laughs) and even, even, I mean, we've been towing this summer, we were doing downwinders and just towing straight up into the wind. And we were out for about an hour, you know, towing, towing each other, doing rides. That's a long time to be two people on uh, one battery.
0: Yeah. Um, the other question I got a lot about the E-foils is when do you think the price is going to come down? I think a lot of people would love to buy them and it's just kind of out of range right now battery tech, what's what's gonna allow them to uh, to come down in price?
1: Well, it'd be a different ride. Uh, it's definitely something that i'm that I'm working on at the same time, you know it's kind of tricky because I, I'm kind of somebody that like appreciates quality, you know what I mean, and and reliability in our product. So I tend to buy nice things, and I tend to you know I want to build nice things. it's It's hard for me to sacrifice that. Like it just kind of goes against my nature, um, and really, I mean, like the everybody looks at the price tag on our evo and goes, "Oh man, it's like way too expensive." But that it really is a fair retail price for for the components that go into it and the the kind of labor that goes into it. Um, it it's it's pretty well balanced there. You know, there's it's not um, it's not off balance in any way. And we're and we're we're sourcing components um, the best that we possibly can all over the world. You know, it's not like, it's not like we're hand building everything ourselves and, and, you know, everything made in America. You know, I, I buy stuff from China. If that's the best place that I can buy it from I buy stuff from the United States, if that's the best place that I can buy it from. And really my, my first goal is to make sure that if I send this product out of our shop, that it's not going to come home, that people are going to have something that's really reliable, you know, because even if you, if you spent half the price say you spent $6,000 on an e-foil, Right, and it if it breaks down within a couple of months, then you're pretty upset, right? You're going to be a disappointed customer because you still spent six grand on right. something. So, you you want something that's that's really reliable that's going to hold up, and um, and that's what our product is right now. I mean, I I took it out and ten foot surf the other day. It just got smashed and just chucked over the falls. Um, swam up to it uh, finally when I could get it and things ready to rock and roll. No problem. Yeah. you know? So that's kind of what we built. Will I build something that's, um, that's less expensive? Uh, yeah, I certainly will, but it's not going to be the same product. Right. So like what we have right now is, um, what we have right now is something that, man, it'll take me over 20 miles. You know, I, I do 22, 24 mile cruises. Um, it's, it's, it's a cross between a surfboard and, and a personal watercraft. It's the world's smallest personal watercraft, you know? And it's, it's bomber. It's reliable. It's got enough power to to pull your friend. Um, so that's, that's that product and it'll continue to be at the price point that it said, in fact, if anything, it might, might go up with some, with some fancier items in there. Um, but I think what we can also simplify that product is, Hey, not everybody needs to go 22 miles, right? Um, maybe, maybe somebody's perfectly content going five miles, um, for, for a ride and experience. And so, we'll definitely expand the, um, the product lineup, but the first goal and this goal takes years has been to get on a really stable platform, you know, in design and something have something that's really reliable that when people buy it, like, you know, it lasts and there, there's no disappointment there. And really, even with that, you know, we've, man, we've been sold out. I mean, we're, we're, we're struggling to keep up this summer. So, um, I'm not not racing for the bottom just yet.
0: Well, I've seen the reliability in action. I mean, I've seen thousands of waves, big waves, been ride ridden on on efoil, and really no issues, um, and some big wipeouts on them too. So, I can attest mm-hmm. to that for sure. Uh, I was asked to write a piece for Foiling Magazine, and anyone out there who doesn't descri- uh, subscribe to Foiling Magazine should um, just to help support the sport. And I think it's just a rad thing that they have going on. So shout out to them. But uh, one of the things that I said was that, you know, on the 20 year horizon, the e-foil tech could be insane. Like if you could do an e-foil that was, you know, one third the weight, you know, and I assume that's mostly battery tech. Now you're talking about being able to surf at a very high level on an e-foil. How much are you thinking, you know, about that type of future and, and looking down the line and where do you see it going?
1: I think about it all the time. I mean, I'm <laughs> that's what we're that's what we do, right? So like my my passion in the foiling is the surfing. Like my for me, what I I'm, I'm out surfing every day. Um that's what I what I love to do on a foil. Um and the our business, you know, the core part of our business is our, are the e-foils. That's what generates the most revenue in our business. Um and our and I also know that, you know, a lot of our customers it, it's a journey to get them to where where we are right now, you know what I mean? Not everybody is ready for that yet. Um, but I'm, I'm most certainly going, you know, I'm going to bridge that, that gap, you know, to, to get, in fact, I already have it. I mean, man, if you, if you were here, I, I got a, I got a, a, a garage full of prototypes and toys where you go, Oh, what is that? Um, so I've got some pretty I've got some pretty small boards, electric boards. I've got some different kind of batteries, I've got different kind of motors, different kinds of wings, different kind of props. And um I actually have something here probably come out next year that's pretty badass for for surfing. You know, really getting uh it's starting to I'm starting to close that gap, you know, because my goal is hey, I want to feel what I'm feeling on my surf foil, you know, my little three eight with my high aspect wing. That's what I want to feel on my e foil. I want to be able to go out and throttle off and, and, ride a wave like that. And, um, you know, they're very different items, but um, we're, we're, we're getting closer already. So it's not too far down the line.
0: Um, I can't wait to see it. Let's talk speed ranges on foil right now. Um, what's the fastest that you have tested gear at, or have had riders test gear at, um, under any, you know, e-foil kiting, big wave surfing, um, and how does, how do, how do the, uh, physics change as you start approaching really high speeds?
1: Uh, man, so kind of hard to say, I don't usually ride with like a GPS or anything like that. Um, but I've hit, you know, on, on the kiting stuff, I've clocked like 32 knots downwind on my old, my old racing gear it's really powered up. And then, um, and even on the e-foil I've hit like 30 miles an hour. So it's at like 28 knots or so, um, 28, 29 knots. I've, I've hit that like flat water in the lake, um, surfing a wave. I have not clocked anything, but I just feel like that's where we are going the absolute fastest. Um, and then there's, you know, there's speed over ground and and speed through the water. Mm -hmm. I feel like when we're, we're riding a wave, our speed, our speed over ground is much faster than our speed over water. Cause we're kind of moving with it, you know? Um, but still you are going, you're going very fast on some of these waves. And I, I think there's peaks there too. There's just moments where you like, when you drop down, if you, if you drop down a wave, it's even a, a 12, 15 foot phase. Um, man, you're going, you're going fast, you know? Um, so what, what's that speed? I, I couldn't really tell you cause I haven't really clocked it. But at that point, you know, I think, I think the trick, to, to speed is stability and control because as long as you can, as long as you can control it, you know, you can just kind of lean into it some more and, and go even faster. You can get into some more critical areas on the wave and, and really, really take off, but you definitely, you know, for the higher speeds, you gotta be on smaller wings, you know, the wing wing sizes have to come down the things stretch out to, to regain some of like your, your inertia. You just want to stabilize everything. So you you want kind of that longer mass, you want a little bit of that longer fuselage, you want even a little bit of weight, um, helps for sure. Just to keep everything steady and stable. Um, and, and even like, man, you start to, you can get really picky with it, but like, you know, like skin friction starts to become a greater factor for drag. Versus like profile drag and like, that's where you can kind of geek out and like wet sand your stuff to to 1200, you know, working your way up stuff like that. Everything really starts to take effect when you're, when you're hitting the limit. Um, and again, uh, we learned that stuff, kiting and racing.
0: Have you played with any, like the shark skin type ideas, breaking up the, uh, the flow over the wing?
1: Well, it does that anyway. Right. So like, um, you know, like so. A perfect example, right? So people always talk about the golf ball with the dimples and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's basically what it's doing is it's catching a layer of air right at the surface of of that object, and it's because air. Let's say if you're in the in, if you're in the fluid medium, you know, air, air over air is faster than air over plastic, right? Um, and so, like having having a little boundary layer where like where that where that fluid is stuck to the surface is actually faster because uh, the fluid right above it is is moving like more slick and so essentially if, if you jump into the water well the waters is you know it's a lot more dense than air so um, those dimples are going to be much smaller more more finite you know what I mean and that's essentially what you're doing with sandpaper mm-hmm. you're you're creating you're creating a surface roughness a specific surface roughness to that's going to dictate like how much of a boundary layer you have, like what the thickness of the boundary layer off that wing, Um, and it, and it kind of depends on what you want to achieve. Right. So I found like, if you, if you want a lot of grip and control, you actually might have a little bit more roughness on the surface for like a thicker boundary layer, but you're going to really f- feel like grip the water, you know? Um, but if you're going really fast, you know, you may not want as much grip. So you, you might go to like a smoother surface finish for like a smaller boundary layer. That's, I would kind of say really the numbers that I've played with anywhere from 400, 400 being really gritty, um, 400 is going to create that, that rougher surface. That's like, it's really grippy in the water and it's going to create quite a bit of drag, but also a, like a fair amount of control. And then like on the high end, like my old racing stuff, I'd take it all the way up to 1200, you know, you're wet sanding with the 1200, which almost feels polished, but it's not, um, it's still, it still has enough surface roughness to grip the water and give you like the control that you need, but it's, it's pretty loose, you know, that you're, you're, you're just kind of releasing the water, um, off your foil that you you can get a fair amount of speed. So that's, that's really where it comes down to. And and the sharks, I mean, they just have a much more evolved method of doing that where it's a very specific, um, texture in their skin creating, creating that a big boundary layer. That allows them to just, you know, capture, like stick a, a small amount of water right off their skin. And then the, the rest of the water is sliding off that water and not necessarily off of their, their skin, you know, and they're, but they're moving at different speeds and they're, they're also much different. They're longer bodies compared to your, compared to your foil. You know, that's like a giant fuselage mm-hmm. going through the water. So you, you have to kind of keep everything in the perspective.
0: What finish do your wings come out of the factory with?
1: right now out of the factory is really more of a painted finish. Um, it's a matte sprayed finish. So there's no specific, um, finish on that. Like if you, if you wanted to get technical with your stuff, you, you got to wet sand it. And like my, my racing gear for kiting, I'd be there all afternoon, like geeking out, just, you know, wet sanding that and like even certain angles, just thinking that it's going to give me one position higher (laughs) or something. But that that's a personal touch. You know, if we, if we were doing that out of our shop, it would be, we wouldn't get anything out the door,
0: you know? So if you're going to do that, do you sand with the water flow?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you're getting really specific, right. And, And you're getting it like, you're really taking that racers approach. Um, probably doesn't matter for surfing. It probably doesn't matter. You know, like, even if you had like an orbital sander, and you just had a certain, uh, I'd say most important is going to be the grit that you sand with and you kind of want to work your way up. So like you might start at, at least a 600, 400, 600, and then I'd, I'd go like 800 and then 800 is actually a really good grit. That's a good, um, a good balance between control and speed. And if you want to go, if you want it smoother, you can go up to like a 1200, I would say that's max. And if you, if you really want to geek out, then yeah, some people say like 45 degrees angles, you know, like uh, with the flow, but I, I can't tell you that I've felt any differences there, but you know, that's, they'll, they'll get to that. Like America's cup boats and stuff like that. You bet they're, they're sanding it in a certain orientation. Um, you know, $115 million boat. They're, um, they're, they're really specific, but everybody's got their theory, you know? You got to go out and test it and, and get a feel for yourself. What do you think it does for you?
0: Um, so going back to speed ranges a little bit, what is the speed range that you're designing for in a surf setting? Do you, do you think about it in speed ranges? Do you think about like, I want my stall speed at a certain weight to be um, a certain number?
1: I mean, I definitely look at, because I evaluate, um, I I use some computer software too to kind of get a feel for all of my different wings and and some values. Like I make some spreadsheets. to like set different values of like um, angles of attack and, and how much lift it's producing and what the lift to drag ratios are. And so it's always like, typically I'm looking at stuff between 12 miles an hour and 20 miles an hour. That's where I kind of just look at like some of my, my, common numbers because i think that's kind of more or less where you're averaging Mm -hmm. you know your speeds and i definitely look at speeds on the efoil because you know hey how fast do we want to be going how much power are you consuming at that point you know or do we want kind of people to be positioned to get like the maximum amount of efficiency and and it goes into like rpms on the prop and the pitch on the prop and there's like a lot more balance there on the surf stuff um you know, it's it's like the different surface areas that I've been working with have been iterated over time. So like I have a couple of key surface areas that I I feel like give me a a different surfing experience in terms of speed. Um, I don't have, again, I don't have specific numbers on, on how fast that we're going, but I would say our, our smallest wings there are definitely, you know, you're, you're hitting 30 knots and you're peaking, you know, you're hitting that 30 knots at a peak and then you're probably dropping down to like, 20 knots um and you might be going as slow as like 14 you know that's on our that's on our that's on our smaller wings on the on the bigger wings you know how fast are you going when you're pumping out you know yeah that's 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 as slow as you need to go and and can i can i generate enough lift to keep me up and what does my lift to drag ratio look like uh, when i'm going when i'm going six to eight knots right Six to eight knots you know what what angle of attack do I have to be at to generate enough lift to support my body weight um what's the lift to drag ratio there am i am I approaching my stall angle um you know how how fast do I have to be going on this wing to to keep me lifted up so I'm definitely looking at that low range, but when I'm riding a wave, you know I'm like you know looking at the high aspect wings and stuff I'm thinking I'm going more to like twelve right you know twelve to sixteen knots mm-hmm that's kind of what I'm looking at. And beyond that, it's like, all right, well, that's bonus. You know, hold on.
0: Right. It's one of the beautiful things about that 170 is how fast you you can go when you're pumping. And then that opens up just a playground for connection turns because it feels like you're getting whipped off the back of a ski as you're going into the uh to the turn. I've got the 25 tail Jack Ho, who wrote in some questions, and I know he's a rider of yours, says that he rides his with the 34 tail, not the 25 in the surf and then I'm going to like that more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that just, that feeling is so sick when you, when you can pump at a speed to where you can pause, do a bottom turn into your connection and carry, you know, enough speed through the Mm -hmm. turn without getting close to stall speed, which seems very easy on that wing.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that it's been a pleasant surprise, you know, um, when I first got out into it, I was like, Whoa, I, is it me or am I going really fast going back out to the surf? I feel like I'm going out just as fast as I was coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, um, it, it's pretty quick, that little wing. I, I kind of got lucky on that one, to be honest with you.
0: Better be lucky than good. Uh, is there, <laughs> is there anything else you want to touch on before we get into some fan questions? Cause you, you're a popular dude. We got a lot of them.
1: No, let's no, no, jump, jump right into it.
0: All right. So the first question comes from my son who is 11 years old. He loves foiling. His name's Damien. Right. He's actually pretty good and he only weighs 75 pounds and there are no wings <laughs> that are built for someone at 75 pounds. So do you have any Grom surf wings coming that will be comfortable? He he can ride a 150, but he's still over lifted like crazy as soon as he gets into mm. a section.
1: Yeah. So actually his, his favorite wing is probably going to be my favorite wing. And, um, I, I, I just redrew up the 100, um, for, for myself. And I'm really excited about that one. And I think he'll get the, the efficiency that he needs to pump it. Um, and we're going to get a little bit more, you know, I went more mid aspect, right. In that case, it's almost a little higher. Um, but not that wide, you know, it's wider, wider than what I have right now, but not like, you know, super wide for us for, for some of the stuff we're riding. But I, I bet he's, I bet all the Groms are going to like that wing a lot. Sick. And we're going to like it for big wave, bigger wave surfing, you know, overhead, maybe t- up to, up to 10, 12 foot faces towing in. That thing's going to be a blast or or riding with the, you know, the wing ding. Um, but that, that'll probably be his, his go-to wing.
0: Epic. So now it's just a matter of when, when he can get his hands on it. Um, <laughs> sure. Chris Rasman, pro snowboarder, been on the podcast. He might he might ride for you guys. I don't know. I know he rides Lift. Um, has a couple questions, and we might have covered some of them. Um, said efoils are illegal in Canada. What's up with that?
1: Mm. Is that true? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. What's up with that? Uh, so Transport Canada has a has some law written that says no propeller driven surfboards allowed. You go. Know, well, that's a pretty vague kind of law. Okay. You know, I don't know. You you could argue it a bunch of different ways, but right now I've I've had a lot of back and forth with them saying, listen, guys, this is not some backyard contraption. You know, like I didn't, I didn't glue a a trimmer motor onto my surfboard going out there. This is the future of personal watercraft. And this is, you know, this is, there's a lot of safety in it. There's, there's a lot of benefit in this for the community. Um, And basically, you know, if it's not written in stone, then they don't know what to do with it. And so there's, there's some confusion there. Even even the guys that that handle those regulations have gone out and ridden the EFOL and they absolutely love it. But they're like, man, we just don't know what to do because in this law, like, it, there's this thing written and we kind of consider your thing to be a propeller-driven surfboard. And um, I go, well, okay, well, we'll change it. Or tell me, You know, basically the argument has been like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll design something around your, your rules. So why don't you tell me like what, you know, at what point that becomes a propeller driven surfboard versus like, you know, a personal watercraft, um, ducted propeller, jet, whatever you guys want to call it, give me some parameters. And, and I haven't been able to get that from them. The government's moved slow, but in the meantime, you know, we got a lot of customers that uh, there's a lot of water up in Canada and, and there's customers that say, I don't care. There's nobody, those guys are never going to see me out in the water. I'll take it. Yeah. And we just say, well, okay. According to your, according to your government, it's, it's illegal. But, you know, you've been, you've been warned and we've even had people pick them up in the United States and then just take them up to Canada. And, um, I think there's a growing population up there and it's going to change. There's already, we're already having discussions and the cool thing too, with our falls is that our, our customers are, you know, we, we have some pretty, um, powerful customers. Um, and so, you know, you tell those guys that they can't ride their new toy and they're, you know, they'll, it's a movement. Um, so the, the transport Canada is getting a lot of pressure from our our customers. And I, I just feel like the more foils get out there, the harder it's going to be for them to tell them not to do it. And it's really messed up too, because that pretty much they've come back to me and saying with the rules, they go pretty much, as long as you're building a jet ski, you're good to go. And I'm like, for real, like, (laughs) do we really, do we have to ride around on these, you know, 600 pound, uh, crowd, you know, 800 pounds at 60 horsepowers going like, you know, gas guzzling machines. Like it's an electric, it's an electric skateboard on the water. Like embrace it. You know, it's cool.
0: It's way cooler um, than jet skis. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll get past that one. Chris, they'll, they'll, oh, they'll yeah. that battle.
0: Chris also asks, um, do you see the future of foil shapes changing drastically? And we already talked about the new mid aspect range and all of that, but do you see a world in 10 years where it's hard to recognize a foil from what we're looking at today.
1: Um, man, I've been wrong a lot, <laughs> you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to say where people will, will take it. I think, I think the, the structure of the architecture that we have right now is, is here to stay at least as a certain category and whether or not people come up with new categories, you know, that, Hey, for sure. We're getting really creative that way. Um, uh, and maybe even you know like nobody's really experimented that much that i've seen with like a canard design um there was like the zico foil for kiting way back in the day i, I've, I actually have it sitting in my office it's been sitting there for years i've never even gone kiting on it uh which is a shame but that's kind of a cool structure where it's like reversed wings yeah you know main wing in the back and then like uh your stabilizer out in front that's also a lifting surface you know yeah. Um, so I'm, things like that have really not been properly explored. I'm um, seeing a lot of guys I think,
0: starting to do canard wings for tails, custom, custom jobs. They're saying it turns way quicker, basically moves that fulcrum forward like a shorter fuse, but without sacrificing as much lift. So that seems pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So there, there might, there might be things like that. I mean, um, we'll have to see, we'll have to see what comes out, what people, uh, pretty creative guys out there, especially once you get more people involved in the sport, there's just more people contributing to the, to the growth of that sport. Absolutely. Uh,
0: Tria Custom Snow Snowshape says, why does everyone do full carbon, no wood cores on masts? Have you guys thought about doing any core structure on your masts?
1: Uh, wood cores? No, I don't really I don't you're not going to get too many benefits out of a wood core, especially like, you know, if you ever get any kind of water and stuff in there, it could kind of, it could rot the, the cores. Not to say right. that you can't use a wood core and um, maybe it has some dampening properties for like any kind of resonance and noise. Um, you know, maybe it has like some vibration absorbing properties. Um, but carbon fiber, it for me is the ultimate material for building a foil. It just has it has the strength, the durability and the, the flex characteristics that you want in the ride. Like I, you know, I've tried metal stuff and um, and even fiberglass and I carbon just is always kind of that magic material. And that's really what's, you know, that's really what's doing the bulk amount of the work. The, the core materials are kind of um, taking up space, adding a little bit of structure, but you know, all the springs are your, your carbon fiber, you know?
0: Right. Um, tying right into that, Nautica asks, uh, what type of carbon are you using? Is that a trade secret?
1: Uh, no, they're Torre fibers and there's, that's the thing too. Like there's a whole bunch of different types of carbon fiber. So you can get, um, there's a wide variety. You can get different modulus of elasticities, which is per, basically it's a stretchiness. If you if you consider carbon fiber to be a spring, right? Everything's a spring. It just doesn't, you know. It, it stretches a certain amount. It's like each one has its rigidity and each one has its its ultimate tensile strength of like when it snaps. Um, and so you can get really carried away on the type of carbon fiber that you use and the type of layup that you that you use, and then the geometry of the part, which has dictates a lot of the different um, flex characteristics. And that's actually something that I've been working on a lot as well for, for next year stuff. Um, I've been going down the rabbit hole with carbon fibers and different layups, Mm -hmm. um, because our wings are changing and, you know, so like the mass change too. Like there's, there is a certain, there's like a, there's a, there's a perfect flex for your surfing. You know, like you want it to, like when you're, when you're doing a turn, you kind of want a little bit of flexibility. You want it to store some energy. And then as you're coming off, you want it to release you know, and if it's, if it's too rigid, you're not like storing enough energy and it kind of feels funky. And if it's too loose, you feel kind of out of control, you know? And so I've, I've actually been playing with that quite a bit. Um, it's a lot of fun and you can, you can spend a lot of time getting lost with that.
0: Um, while we're on the thread of masts, um, Anthony asks, what's the build process and construction for your masts and foils? I know that could be a very long conversation. So and keep it pretty concise
1: yeah we use pre-pregs um pre steel tools autoclaves uh actually uh, not an autoclave but steel tools and pre a lot of pressure uh, a lot of temperature and and some pretty high-end fibers that you get a really good fiber to resin ratio they're really tough like even you can feel you can feel a pre-preg when you like drill through it you're like holy shit you know this thing's like you're just leaning into that drill to get through it whereas it's just like the stuff that's like more infusion. It's not as you'll, you'll feel it's just not as compact. There's not as much fiber in there and you can just like drill right through it. We used to do a lot of infusion when we were building stuff by hand here in the shop. And once you, once you kind of go over the pre-breaks, you're like, man. Um, and then we're actually, we're doing a whole nother process for some carbon fiber stuff for next year. Um, that'll blow people away. We we're we're taking it to another level actually. Pretty fun stuff can't talk about that yet though huh i uh, know I'll, I'll introduce that one later but <laughs> it's pretty neat um tucker uh
0: tucker mcgrath asks and this is one that i was going to ask you during the show but i figured i'd wait for tucker's question um what's the best foiling wave
1: when do you have the most fun on the water foiling i mean me personally man it really depends that there's there's a couple of ways we have here, which are, um, I like a really smooth, smooth wave with a good channel where the water can kind of wash out. Cause I feel like if you're, if you're being affected by the wave before it, you know, the water is a little turbulent and you kind of lose control when you're, when you're turning on the face. So like those areas that have like a, it's more of a point break with like a, a really big channel, the water seems to kind of wash into the channel. And then that wave that you're riding is just a nice, smooth, controlled surface and you can get going really fast. And I actually kind of like it when they're a little bit more, just a little bit laid back. You know, we're on a surfboard. You would kind of say, oh, "This is a little bit, a little laid back, but it's still pitching a lip." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you you can get into that pocket, and then come racing out. But it's like it's like the right slope, you know? Yeah. And smooth surface. We we got some pretty nice spots here in Puerto Rico. That um, we've yeah we've had some great some great surf. And really, I mean, man, when you get when you start riding some of the bigger stuff, it's like it's really addicting. What's your it's favorite size? I mean, you know, we go out, we ride everything, right? So like I've been everything from downwind, nothing, um, has been super cool. And then like last year we had a couple uh, days where, where we had some 15 foot faces plus, and it was, I was even just kind of nervous. I hadn't really foiled waves like that. And I was like, am I just going to get blown off the top of this thing and it worked? And, and no, we just had total control on the smaller wings, longer masts. And it was just so addicting and it was so fun. Um, so I've, I've actually been building and dialing in some wings for that kind of surfing too. A lot of fun.
0: Um, Instacam asks, uh, where can you find lift foils in Australia? He lives in Northern, New South Wales and can't find them anywhere.
1: So I don't have anything uh, online, but I have a couple guys over there that are, that are representing our product, kind of, a a smaller market. Um, but if he just shoots us a, shoot us an email and we'll, we'll get him taken care of. And, and really we ship, we ship worldwide. I can get anything anywhere within five days. So
0: right on liftfoils.com. com. Um, this is a good one. Uh, Shaolin roots 88 asks, uh, foiling in outer space aliens. Do you believe in aliens, Nick? Yes. Okay. That's the right Absolutely. answer, by the way. <laughs> I am wearing an alien workshop believe shirt as we speak. Um, <laughs> if you haven't watched Unidentified on the History channel, you should watch Unidentified. Follow Luis Elizondo for all things UFO. Okay. <laughs> um We got
1: to have imagination, right? I man? It would be too boring if we just thought that it's just us.
0: Absolutely. So let me ask you this: the crafts that people are seeing right now, the Tic Tac, go fast. Are they ETS? Are they are they time travelers? What are they?
1: Man, I have no idea. I'm <laughs> I'm behind right. I'm behind on my uh, my alien research here. Um, Matt Lou
0: asks uh, winglets on the front wing. What do you think about winglets?
1: I when I think winglets, I think 2013. I um I did. I played with that a lot with really early on in the days, I think I could come back and, and experiment again, but there's certainly something cool there. Like it, it kind of gives you like drive in a certain direction, but I just found that it's too complex when you breach the surface. and And then, you know, it's like what we were talking about earlier, like cleaning up that, that flow, it just gets way harder with the winglets. And so I think, I don't but for, for me personally, I just feel like it's not worth it. If you want that additional, like the additional, um, increase in lift to drag ratio, just increase your aspect ratio a little bit. So let's say you had a one inch winglet instead of having a one inch winglet, you can just have one inch increase to your wingspan and it's going to be doing pretty much the same.
0: Uh, David asks, how many prototypes does it take to get to a particular foil shape? And then how soon after you design a new foil, uh, do you think you can improve it?
1: So my process is iterative, even in our production. Um, what I do, I, I these days too, like I spend, I spend a fair amount of time on the, on my computer as well. So like I, I ride all my stuff. I ride it every single day and I, and I'm chopping stuff off and I'm doing whatever I can to get a feel out in the water, you know? And then I'm also trying to quantify that in on the computer and like, and actually build out some numbers that I can kind of reference. So I can, I'm just creating my own scale for depending on what it is like that I'm, that I'm playing with. But I, I really think a lot about a design and I'll spend a lot of time on that design. And then I, and I, and I don't go too far away from what I know, you know, cause if I go, I know that if I go too far away from what I know, it's probably not going to work, you know, um, and so I, I'll design, okay, I want to increase, I want to improve this aspect of the foil. And so I'm going to do this and I, and I collect as much data as possible. I draw up something nice and I produce it and it, that wings going to work. Then I'll, I'll even probably just throw it into production unless it's a total dog. I'll be like, okay, scratch that one. Um, but if it's good, I already have a mold built up and we'll, we'll ride away. And then, you know, next year I'm okay. I'm here's what we're learning this year now I'm going to kind of tune and tweak this part. Um, for example, like, you know, we've been talking about aspect ratios. That was kind of the topic this year. It's like, all right, I really want to look at aspect ratios now. You know, I, I, last year I was really working on cross sections and foil sections this year, aspect ratios. And and I have surface areas that I like, and I, you know, so I'm going to kind of tune that. And I, I feel like it's a safe bet, uh, with the, with the numbers that I choose. So it's, it takes years really to get into the wing that you really love, but it's like a, uh, it's a one step at a time kind of process.
0: Yeah. It's a beautiful time to be a part of the sport right now too, to where we're getting to take advantage of this rapid improvement in the market. And so once you get to a certain level and then new gear comes out, you get to immediately feel how quickly everything is changing. It's probably the most fun time to be a foil surfer or oh, yeah! right like, now.
1: People are people are lucky right now. I mean, the the first rig that I was riding, I couldn't turn my neck for like three months. I was (laughs) doing so many face. It was awful.
0: Um, longer mid app. I'm butchering all these Instagram names. I apologize if I've butchered your Instagram name. Um, are you glad you waited to get into the high aspect game? You wish you would have done it sooner.
1: Uh, no, definitely should have done it sooner. I was a little stubborn about it for sure. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't really feel like I've waited or whatever. It's perfect time. You know, people are getting into it. We're high aspects are just kind of getting out there really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I was, I was probably too stubborn about it. And then as soon as I was riding my wings, I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is awesome. I you mean, know, it's kind of changing my perspective on foils and also the, the way that we're designing my, the e-foils, you know, so it's really had a big effect on um on the new designs um so no time like the present we're you know firing away on all sorts of stuff it's been great and and a lot of you know i take my hat off to um to the brands out there too that were the pioneers with some of those wing shapes really doing some awesome stuff and just showing what was possible you know Um, we're all contributing
0: my buddy Jack Suave from Jack's beach now on Hawaii or on Oahu in Hawaii. Uh, how'd you get such a cool dad?
1: (laughs) Well, he was gifted to me. (laughs) Uh, yeah, my dad is, he is, he is a badass. He's so cool. Um, he, man, he is, he's something special. We were just talking about that. He's, he's out there. He's out surfing two or three times a day I and mean, he'd ride his bike in the morning. Then he will go out for a surf. If the wind kicks up. He'll go out foiling on the, on the kite. Um, then he will take his paddleboard out, you know, with the foil and go catch that. And, and you know, my dad, he learned, he learned how to foil surf. while he was doing chemo cause he had, he had cancer two years ago. Oh man. And so while he was doing chemotherapy, his hair's falling out and he's like picking up his foil board. He's like, man, I feel like shit, man, I feel <laughs> terrible. He's like walking out to go surfing. So that's my old man. He just keeps moving. He's, um, he's pretty cool. And he's, he's a important part of our business here. He's involved every single day and he's the guy that you try to please with the foil designs. If he really really likes it, I know we, we got something that's great.
0: Um, DTM asks, uh, pumping technique. What's your pumping technique? Any, any pointers for people, anything that you see out there that you love or you you think could be done better
1: um i mean i think everybody's going to kind of develop their um their technique and really mine's been refined a lot this summer with the 170 you know it's been teaching me right um and but i find you know i think when i was initially like pumping i was feeling like my right leg was getting bigger than my left leg and i'm like okay that's not good right goofy? and so I- I'm a regular. Okay. So my back leg was, my back leg yep. was, was taking a lot of the force yep. and I've definitely moved my, I moved my step forward to try to get a really even, like an even pressure, even up and down movement off my legs. So now I feel like I have a very balanced workout when I do it. And, um, and really with the high aspect, it's been more about like maintaining the glide. Right. So like you're, it's like, it's like you're ollieing up, and kicking up to the surface and then you're you're really maintaining the right angle of like forward projection and glide and sometimes like I'll even pump 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 like accelerate grab a little bit of speed and then bring it up really high and hold and just hold and it'll just you know kind of glide across the surface and pump 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 and then hold and you're gliding and you're just like feeling out the water underneath you right because like sometimes there's there's like lifts and and sinks You know, with the sinks, you want to work your way through it. And when it's lifting, you kind of want to get up and, and just kind of ride it there for a second and and take a break, take a breath. Um, and the other thing I find too, with all the pumping and like when you're working out that way and foiling in general is breathing. I feel like, I feel like going out foiling is such an awesome breathing exercise, you know, it is right. Especially when you're doing down and you're doing like an hour. Uh, downwind for miles, and you don't want to fall. And you're like, you know, you're really, you're out there, and you're you're connecting. Like you just have to be so in touch with your breath, and just like your focus. Everything's got to be balanced out. That's like one of the coolest things for me. And next thing you know, when you get all that stuff lined up, you're really traveling. You're you're just going. So. Yeah
0: for me, it's remembering to breathe. I tend to not breathe when I surf and that's carried over into foiling. So I'll surf a whole wave and then kick out the pump. And I'm like, Oh no, forgot to breathe again. And then you're out of breath <laughs> as you start your pump run. Um, yeah. You gotta
1: be breathing. Nose yeah. breathing too.
0: No, Yeah, absolutely. Breath. James Nestor is in that, isn't that new book. Amazing. Um, oh, yeah. All sorts of benefits of nose breathing. I even have buddies that are starting to widen their jaws after reading that book, which is Awesome. Apparently it changes the your whole air flow and uh makes you a much more efficient athlete. Um I've got a bunch of other questions, but we covered most of it in our conversation. Um so thanks everybody who wrote in. Um I hope that we did justice to uh to what you guys wanted to hear. What uh what do you want to leave us with, Nick? Anything we didn't touch that you want to go through or uh, parting words?
1: Yeah, not much, man. I mean, just, that uh, we're super appreciative of, um, uh, of all our supporters out there and the whole community of foiling. I mean, really for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy at this stage of my life because it has been something that we've been working on so hard for, for over a decade. And, you know, the, the early years were really discouraging, uh, you know, and so now oh, like the encouragement from, from the public and the encouragement to like get out and move is it's, it's what's keeping us rolling and everybody's really happy here at the shop and we're just having a blast designing new stuff. Um so so thanks a lot to to the audience out there and um and thanks so much for the feedback too because I'm just learning I'm learning a ton from um, from all the foilers out there and it's really helping us dictate what we build next. And we've got some awesome awesome toys on the way. I mean, we're really going to expand the world of foiling. Um we got some James Bond stuff on the way, so stay tuned sick
0: well hopefully you'll come back on uh at some point spring next year after the release of the new foils and new gear and hopefully i felt it and we can jam on it
1: that sounds great man be a pleasure
0: nick thanks so much for being on the podcast and thanks everybody for tuning in we appreciate it
1: thank you signing off